It's just people who don't tend to align with the way society has defined either a female existence or a male existence. They simply are. They're an individual. They want to be treated as an individual as opposed to being looked at as you are a she, therefore that means this, this, and this for you. And you're supposed to dress in this manner and you're supposed to wear your makeup or your hair like this and things like that. The opposite is true. They feel like they are a person, they are an individual, and I think ultimately all of us are. And what I find so fascinating is when we really start stripping away the layers of how we tend to look at gender, it is less about who that person is and more about the expectations that society has put on them. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equity, diversity and inclusion in the workplace and beyond. By the year 2025, millennials, the most diverse generation by far, will represent 75% of the workforce. Millennials are more than two times as likely to identify as LGBTQ and more likely to also identify as non-binary or gender fluid compared to previous generations. Younger generations are thinking more fluidly when it comes to sexuality as well, as some studies show a sharp rise in the number of people who identify as bisexual, as an example. When it comes to gender, employers will increasingly need to adjust their gender binary approach to working life, which means finding different ways to accommodate a new wave of non-binary workers, who don't strictly identify as either male or female. For example, what kinds of restrooms do non-binary employees use? Which gender options should be listed on their onboarding paperwork? How can we make non-binary employees feel included? And why do gender pronouns matter? All of these questions will need to be answered as companies transition to a gender non-binary future. According to Out and Equal, an organisation that advocates for gender equality, Far too many transgender, non-binary and gender expansive identities are pressured to remain hidden at work. A study by IBM found that a remarkable 9% of business leaders, subject matter experts and thought leaders don't feel that the gender they're expressing at work matches their true gender identity. Gender is a continuum and it's always expanding, but we can create workplaces that value every individual regardless of their gender identity. Reflective of the approach of the National Centre for Transgender Equality, Factorial HR says that a good way to think about non-binary is like an umbrella term that refers to anyone who doesn't fully identify with one of the two traditional genders, male or female. So it includes those who identify as both or neither of those binary genders, those who identify as having fluid or multiple genders and those with unrecognised genders amongst others. For example, some people have a gender that blends elements of being a man and a woman, others don't identify with any gender, and some people's gender changes over time. As an employer, it's important to understand gender and non-binary inclusion and what it means for your company, for the way you manage your people and for the way that your people interact and work with each other. There are lots of great resources out there to help with this, including the Gender Bread Person, which is described as a teaching tool for breaking the big concept of gender down into bite-sized, digestible pieces. And to help us understand how to navigate and prepare for a non-binary future, 
Christy Pruitt-Haynes, a consultant from the Neuroleadership Institute, which is a global neuroscience consultancy, is joining us on the show today. To kick off this episode, we asked Christy to share what it really means to be non-binary at work. Non-binary, and everyone is going to describe it a little bit differently, but in general, it's just people who don't tend to align with the way society has defined either a female existence or a male existence. They simply are. They're an individual. They want to be treated as an individual as opposed to being looked at as you are a she, therefore that means this, this, and this for you. And you're supposed to dress in this manner and you're supposed to wear your makeup or your hair like this and things like that. The opposite is true. They feel like they are a person. They are an individual. And I think ultimately all of us are. And what I find so fascinating is when we really start stripping away the layers of how we tend to look at gender, it is less about who that person is and more about the expectations that society has put on them. And that's not at all anyone's actual experience. So I feel that those individuals who feel they are more non-binary, they're simply saying, I am me, I am Christy, I am, you know, Michelle, I am Kelly, etc. And that doesn't come with any of the assumptions that you feel like it should come with. It doesn't mean that I have to appear in a certain way. And it doesn't mean that I have to interact with others in any particular way that doesn't feel authentic to myself. In many, though certainly not all countries around the world, the law protects employees against discrimination in the workplace. Oftentimes, the way that the law does this is by defining a set of protected characteristics such as disability, age, race, religion and so on. And then by essentially providing that employees cannot be treated badly, say by being dismissed or looked over for promotion because of one of those characteristics. Here in Great Britain, where I practice law, employers are bound by a key piece of legislation called the Equality Act 2010, which defines our set of protected groups and then it sets out what acts amount to unlawful discrimination in relation to any of those groups. The Equality Act here covers the whole employment relationship from recruitment to contract, remuneration, promotion, dismissal, and it even continues to regulate some behaviours after employment has ended. Many other countries have similar legal protections, although the specifics really do vary hugely from country to country and even potentially from state to state within some countries. But one issue that's common to many jurisdictions is that when you have these laws where defined characteristics act like a gateway to legal protection, there is always a risk that certain people, certain vulnerable or marginalised people might not get through that gateway. And the Equality Act that I mentioned earlier, there's been a real lack of clarity with it and debate actually about whether protection extends to non-binary persons. And that's because of the way that the different protected groups are defined in the legislation. And they're defined in quite a binary way. But in the recent case of Taylor against Jaguar Land Rover, an employment tribunal in the UK looked at this and they held there that the particular person in the case who identified as gender fluid or non-binary was covered by the Equality Act. You know, as an employer, it's really important to be mindful of the different protected groups in all the countries where you operate and to be aware of changes and challenges and potential expansions to those protections. You know, that's both so that you can avoid and eradicate discriminatory practices that might bring legal risk, but also so that you can build working environments that encourage and support full participation and contribution from all different people. For me, embracing diversity in a meaningful way 
starts with being curious and eager to learn about difference. Organisations that weave that respectful curiosity into their cultures are best able to harness the benefits that diversity brings and are often in a good place as well to respond to any changes to the law. Here, Christy shares why understanding difference is the key to valuing it. I, like you, believe we are moving towards a non-binary world, and I would love to say we're going to be there tomorrow, but unfortunately, we know we're not. It's going to be a bit of a process, and there are going to be some people that take a lot longer to get there than others, unfortunately. But people still make assumptions based on appearances, based on voice, based on how someone dresses, so many things. So even if someone knows their own individual truth is that they don't exist as either male or female, other people will still heap those same assumptions and heap those same social norms on them, unfortunately. So in order to start really destroying a lot of those assumptions and those social norms, we first have to really understand them. And unfortunately, the way we understand them right now are in a very binary male or female way of looking at things. And I think once we can get to the root of why people assume the things that they do, then we can start breaking those down and hopefully making everyone's experience the same, regardless of how they present and how they choose to live their lives. In most organizations, people tend to shy away from individuals and conversations that they don't understand. And I think the one thing that's almost worse than being treated negatively because of your gender is being ignored. And unfortunately, that's what so many non-binary individuals are experiencing because people just don't understand. They don't want to ask questions or don't know what they should ask. So they just end up avoiding that individual altogether. And that obviously has devastating consequences. And some of the questions when people do finally broach the topic, they do it in such a terrible way because they focus so much on how does this relationship work for you and who wears the pants in this relationship? They ask inappropriate questions like that, which takes away from that individual's ability to just do their job, show up with all of the expertise that they have, and instead they take it to a very inappropriate and personal place. And I think what we found that so many non-binary individuals experience are people either shying away because they just don't know what to say or they go to a very inappropriate place. And then they have very irrational fears. Well, what if we're in the same bathroom? Or what if my kid comes in and my child doesn't know how to address them? And children get this so much quicker than adults do. And again, I think there's so much fear of the unknown that it creates an environment where it's almost impossible to focus on the work that you're there to do because you have to be this advocate each and every day, and it becomes exhausting, or you have to mask. And I think that's the other thing we see so many non-binary individuals do. They mask who they are. They dress in a way that doesn't feel authentic to themselves. They talk in a way that doesn't feel authentic to themselves to try and make other people feel comfortable. And that's not sustainable. That's not something that people can do day in and day out. But unfortunately, that's what's expected of them, or that's what they feel like they have to do in order to, to just exist in the way that others can. Language really matters when it comes to supporting non-binary employees. The use of gender binary language is common in everyday life and conversation. Often we'll use gendered language like ladies and gentlemen or mankind when referring to people and not even be aware that it's gendered. 
But using greetings like friends, folks, y'all, you all, and everyone ensures that we're including all individuals. While many of us might use gendered language without the intention to exclude others, gendered language rarely invalidates the existence of people who fall outside of the gender binary. Saying an individual's correct name and using their correct pronouns is an important way to demonstrate respect and courtesy towards non-binary employees in the workplace. When it comes to language, try not to make assumptions about gender identity or non-binary experiences. Acknowledge your mistakes, apologize, correct yourself, and then move on. The key is not to make a big deal out of the mistake, but instead to try and learn from it. So many people reported coming into workplaces and they enter a new job, especially feeling very excited. I think we all, when we start a new company, we feel excited. We're thrilled to be there. And unfortunately, what so many people have found is that once they are there, it's the same problems that they've seen exist time and time again in other organizations. People come in and report, women in particular, that people ask questions that are completely inappropriate and then act based on those answers. And one situation that really stands out for me, and I can't remember the level of detail that we talked about it in the report, but it just stands out. There was a young woman fresh out of college, so very enthusiastic, you know, thrilled to be there as we all were when we first started employment and very quickly realized that some of the men who entered the workplace at the exact same time she did were automatically being invited to after hour events. Hey, we're going to this happy hour and we're going here and we're going to go, you know, golfing this weekend or whatever it was. And a lot of those social things that happen is very much where people get to know you. That's where they start making assumptions about how you're going to operate in the workplace. And because she was feeling excluded and left out from those, she wasn't able to make those same connections. She didn't have that same sense of relatedness that so many of her male coworkers were having and her career suffered because of it. She wasn't able to move up in the same way. She didn't have the opportunity. She didn't have internal sponsors and mentors who really reached out and said, hey, let me teach you how to do this and how to do that at this particular organization. And that's what we see time and time again. It often starts with those social relationships and then it spills over into the professional ones and has very negative consequences because of that. And that truly affects how a person feels every day coming into work. If you don't feel like you have the same connections, then you aren't able to do your best work. You aren't able to show up at your full self because you spend so much time trying to cover up the parts of you that you think people aren't going to like or that you think people aren't responding to well. And to give just a quick sort of personal story, I remember Years ago, I had a niece and a daughter, love them both. They are, you know, literally, if you talk to me longer than five minutes, you'll hear a story about them. But I was worried in talking about my daughter too much because people make assumptions when women have young kids, then they're going to miss work because the kids are going to be sick and things like that. But I knew I needed to appear friendly because people also make assumptions about women who don't like children. So I would tell stories about my niece so people knew I was open to the idea of kids, but didn't talk about my daughter as much because I felt like that was going to be a career staller. And I saw other people where it was very much stopping them in their careers. And once I really thought about it, I said, this is absolutely not a place I want to work. So I'm going to talk about my girls. I'm going to do all the things and show up as my full self. And if they don't appreciate it, then I'll need to find an organization that does. 
Finally, Christy shares one action every single one of us can take to support non-binary employees. So instead of being so concerned about what does this individual do when they leave the workplace or which bathroom are they using, ask yourself the question, how does this affect whether or not they can do this job? And if the answer is it doesn't, then move on and just treat them with the level of respect that you want anyone to treat one of your loved ones, because they are someone's loved ones and they deserve that same level of care and that same level of nurturing that you would give to any other employee. But the reality is people do walk into situations and they look at someone and they make assumptions. So instead of acting on those, dig deeper look for those commonalities. Instead of focusing so much on what you believe are the differences between you and someone else, look for commonalities because we all have them. I think if we were to sit and spend five minutes talking to anyone, we can find something that we have in common with them. We may like the same sport. We may love the same musical artist, whatever that may be. Find those commonalities and lean into those and let those things really bond you So that helps you to look at them just as an individual, as opposed to someone that is different from you in some way or someone that you may not fully understand, because none of that matters when you think about their ability to do the work and to help this organization achieve whatever its ultimate goals are. According to a report by Out and Equal Workplace Advocates, 56% of millennials have ruled out ever working for a particular organization because of that organization's values or standard of conduct. And 72% of millennials say that they're more likely to accept a job at an LGBTQ inclusive company than a non-inclusive one. They also report that beyond millennials, Generation Z or Generation Z, that's people born between the mid to late 90s and the early 2010s, that generation is increasingly defined as having more fluid perceptions of gender identity. In fact, 78% of Gen Z respondents in a recent study agreed that gender does not define a person as much as it used to. In the same study, 56% of Gen Z respondents said they know someone who uses gender-neutral pronouns. That's a really big jump from previous generations. So if you are wanting to kickstart your company's efforts in building a non-binary inclusive workplace, you could consider implementing practices like these ones. Ensuring inclusive dress codes, ensuring gender-neutral titles, practicing gender-inclusive pronouns, ensuring zero tolerance in your harassment and discrimination policies and practices, providing access to gender-neutral restrooms. Out and Equal also make this really important recommendation if you want to ensure that you're treating non-binary individuals with the respect they deserve. Don't make assumptions about gender identity. Non-binary experiences are not universal. I really hope you all enjoyed today's episode and a quick request before you go, if you love our podcast and want more, then hit subscribe now and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're interested in partnering with us or maybe being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.